Next question is probably the most important one. Oh, here we go. Do you ever eat cake? <laughs> do I? <laughs> do I uh, um, I have eaten cake. <laughs> I, 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 I'm hesitant to answer this because last time that we we talked about this type of stuff, people were like, Ben Burgeon's a robot. I'm stop listening to Ben. Like another criticism thing, right? Like, That's very funny. So I, um, so, so just say yes. Yes, I eat cake for breakfast every day. <laughs> there you go. I, 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 I don't eat a lot of cake. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stopping. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. As always, I'm here with Ben. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks, Patrick. Today, we're going to do uh, what we do quite often now, which is a two-minute drill. Um, we are still sourcing questions from, from listeners from months ago when you asked for them, um, but also getting a lot of good questions, just people sending them to me. So uh, please, uh, if you're interested, please keep doing that because I love them. Where should um, they send them? Uh, the easiest thing so far has been just Instagram DMs. Um, so, uh, if you can find me on Instagram, do that there. Where should they find you? Uh, PS Cummings. Got it. All right, sir. So, uh, for those folks who might be new, two minute drills are, uh, a series of random quote unquote random questions that, uh, folks want to hear from you on. Um, the subjects often don't warrant a full episode, but the questions are excellent anyway. So we try to hold you to an imaginary two minute clock to see if you can answer them, um, Without talking too much. Cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, that's the challenge. All right. So going down the list, first one, and this one I actually like this one. This isn't a specific question. I got a few questions that uh, amounted to this because we've talked about before in different episodes um, shift work or or work that you know maybe yep. somebody works eighteen hours uh, straight and then two days off, and sometimes it's night, sometimes it's it's um, uh, day work. It's, so it's yep. all, people with uh, work schedules that don't allow them the, the, the prestige firefighters, exactly, nurses, nurses, exactly. Yeah. Um, security sometimes. So uh, a few people reached out and said, I hear that a little context. The last time I asked you this, your answer was uh, quit if at all possible, because it's that unhealthy or it's that hard to stay healthy yes. in that kind of environment. So a lot of people reached out and said, I hear you, Ben I can't quit. What do I do now? So I wanted to at least put it to you one more time to say, okay, we hear that the, the ideal version is quit. If that can't happen, what If we're what not going to listen to you, right. what should we do If we're instead? not going to take career advice from yeah. <laughs> you, um, what can they do to at least mitigate some of the issues that that, that kind of life presents? Sure. So the, the obvious one that we're trying to mitigate or optimize, which is going to be far from, is sleep. Yeah. So... That becomes the the number one driving factor. So we go back and we listen to the episode on sleep and I don't need to rehash all those things inside of a two minute drill, but sleep is a hugely, hugely massively impactful factor on your overall health. People that are doing shift work through the circadian rhythm and everything else and just the, the interruption of the necessities of the job, it gets, it gets ripped apart. The number one thing I would focus on for those guys is get the sleep where you can. So mm -hmm. I'm not, everyone's gonna be so different in terms of, do you have kids? Do right. you have relationships? Do you, uh, so, all this, so all I'm gonna say is the next best thing is napping, 
It, yeah. it is not as optimal as a straight night, straight night of sleep, but it is better than not napping. Mm-hmm. So that would be my take is what is the next best thing before the gym, before eating healthy, it would be trying your best. The Mendoza line is six hours. You have to get six hours of sleep. Anything less than six hours, you are massively destroying your health. Anything from like seven hours plus, you're benefiting in eight, nine. We're kind of like in that real sweet spot where you can make massive gains. So let's do everything in our power to get six hours. If it's not consecutive, that's okay, but you gotta get the six. Yeah, it makes me think that, and you mentioned it, that even parents with a newborn often can fall into that, fall into that of of less than six hours. So here's my take with the newborn thing. And I know we've done a a podcast on parenting. Um, I think I'm, nighttime is for parents. Yeah. So I get how I, I have, I have kids. We have four kids. I've been through it. I get it. You know, my, my brother has a baby who there was two babies, which were both terrible sleepers. When you put your child to bed, my take is like nighttime is for the parents. What that means is if the kids crying and wailing and like, it should be the type of thing like you and your spouse get a pair of noise canceling headphones and you sleep mm. because what you need to do is you need to set yourself up for tomorrow to be ready to rock and roll. Now what's going to happen is if you're not sleeping and they're not sleeping tomorrow morning, guess what happens? Yeah. Nobody's good. Yep. Say it again. It should be like emboldened in people's nighttime is for the parents. All right. That was a, that was a special two minute drill. Well, question. that was like two questions. Yeah. Okay. Next one. How do you get rid of self doubt in the middle of a workout? You don't. You get rid of it before and after the workout. Everyone's going to have the self-doubt during the workout. Everyone's going to have those demons crawl up and be like, oh, this hurts. Oh, you don't have it today. Oh, she's faster than you. Oh, man, whatever it is. Everyone's always going to have that. What you need to do is after the workout, when you're lying on the floor, panting, grasping for air, your legs are burning, your lungs are trying to rip through your chest, you tell yourself, I love this feeling. You tell yourself, I'm so happy with my effort. And you create this cycle of a self-fulfilling prophecy of I like being uncomfortable. And what happens is then the next time when you're in a workout and you start feeling uncomfortable, no one has self-doubt when they're comfortable. Right. When next time when you're in a workout and you start feeling uncomfortable, all of a sudden those thoughts start to come in. I like this feeling. I'm so happy with my effort. Okay. Like, and then all it does is it pushes the self-doubt back two or three notches. If you do that enough, it gets pushed back eight, nine, 10 notches. And soon enough, not soon, I don't know how long. If you're done consistently, you can move self-doubt much farther down the road than where it's originally cropping up. Got it. How long do you suggest somebody do CrossFit before they enter a a competition? Um, Depends. Um, I don't. I mean, like, I, I don't think people should wait if they want to do a competition. So not everyone should do competitions. In fact, I think most people should not do competitions because I think competitions have equal benefit, you know, the equal pros and cons on yeah. both sides. But if the person asking this question wants to jump into a competition, as soon as you sack up and get mm-hmm. some guts, that's what it is. You're scared. Jump in now. Don't wait. If we were like going for 5K runs together, like on a Saturday morning, you know, it's like, you know, maybe, you know, there's this 5K like in two weeks, should we sign up for it? You'd be like, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Like 
You are just jump in, like do it. You're going to learn so much more by taking the leap and doing it than you will trying to get more prepared. You don't know what the heck you're preparing for. Just jump in and do it. Learn from that experience and move forward. Is it, uh, do you think that it's people, people's fear of the unknown doing, uh, doing poorly? That's that fear of the unknown. It's just like, yes, am I going to do poorly? But they don't know they're going to do poorly. And what's poorly? Poorly is it, are you talking about the leaderboard? Because that's outside your control. Poorly would be, I'm going to, what they should fear is I'm going to go there and I'm not going to be able to give a good effort. Well, dude, let's just like, instead, you know what you can do? You can go there and give a good effort. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's 100% inside your control. If you're able to do that and let the the chips fall where they may on the leaderboard, you know, listen, go listen to Brene Brown's mm. Netflix talk. Like, mm. get in the ring, start doing it. Like, it's all about that. Be brave, do the hard things, and sign up and see what you're made of. How do you respond when somebody is attacking your character? Um, I don't. One hundred percent. Like yeah. that's I'm the type of person that this is my character. That's why I tell myself I'm the type of person that does not respond to demeaning negative comments. So if there's a troll or I hear somebody's like gossiping behind me or it's saying trash, that I'm not going to fuel a flame that I have no control over. So what I do the best is I with my the strategy that I try to emulate best is that I don't put things put further emphasis on things I have no control over, which is what other people are saying about me. I heard this great quote, which is um, I'm probably going to butcher it, but. Um, Nobody that has achieved more than you will criticize you. Mm. Yeah. What that means is all these people that, that it's jealous and it's haters and people that are, you know, when people have achieved more than you, what those people do is they give mentorship and advice. And that's the other way you could reframe this is if somebody's hating on my character, maybe they're right. And I should reframe this into a way that, you know, so um, the one exception to this is like, I have had like, Heather challenged me on certain things. And certain times we've talked on this podcast. I don't think you're spending enough time with the kids. You're mm-hmm. distracted, whatever it is. Um, if it's coming from a trusted source that I know is giving me this in feedback out of love and sincerity, then I, I like anybody, it hurts in the moment, but then right. you try to take the deep dive. Yeah. And believe me, it hurts like hell, like hell, like so hard. Um, we had a hard conversation a couple nights ago about just this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're both better off for the conversation because we were willing to call each other out. Yeah, uh, because you said Brene Brown, I believe one of her books, she she basically says <clears throat> she carries a list of five names and those are, the, those are the only five people who she will let that kind of criticism or whatever it is into her life. And everybody, if you're not on that list, you, don't, you don't get it. So she's popularized the Theodore uh, Roosevelt talk of the the the, the man in Maybe, the arena, yep. which is the credit lies with the person actually in the arena, their face marred by dust, working their tail off. If you're not in the arena working your tail off, like why am I listening to you? Like that makes no sense. Now, if you're in the arena working your tail off, guess what? You're not going to sit there and criticize someone's character. You may give heartfelt advice and mentorship, but critique doesn't come from those type of people. Yeah. How do you develop rapport with high performers? Okay, so I'm guessing that this has to do with like um, either how do I work for, work with, get mentorship yeah, from th- a high performer? Yeah, I think um, that's a good question of maybe uh, what the context or what the real like rapport, question is. I don't, but rapport is how, 
how do like at where a cocktail party and how do we connect with person maybe yeah maybe or is it's it like about how that do i get connection to like, or maybe if you could go back to when you know you hadn't coached a bunch of crossfit games uh champions how do you get how how if you're in a position to to start a relationship with somebody who you admire for whatever reason how do you get them to see you or how do you get them okay. to, to maybe be how do you get them to see that you're on the same level of them Some, something like that might be a uh, my um, guess yeah. as to so what I that wouldn't try to get is. them to see you on the same level because you're probably not on the same level. Mm -hmm. um, what I would do is um, if you want to work with those people is don't try to work with those people. Work for them. Mm -hmm. it, it, people always look for like, they've heard so much the, the power of a mentor and yep. um, having somebody that you can look up to and learn from that's already achieved in your field. Those people are extremely busy. Like They have their own things going on. For them to take you under their wing and also teach and mentor you, that's probably a long shot. Yep. The better thing to do is like go with it to them with an idea of how you could benefit them. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever somebody's interested in working here, the ones that catch my attention is good, good, good example. We just hired an intern. Uh, we have a lot of people that apply for internships. Now I'm going to give away the secret to how to apply <laughs> and get an internship. Yeah. Um, when he reached out, he's like, I. Uh, I am. I just want to be in around this place. I'm really good with a mop. I love to clean the toilets. I will do anything that I can to help the team just to be. So what he's saying is no pull on you whatsoever. I just want to learn through osmosis and um, being a part of the environment. Yep. And I can help you out with anything that you need help with. Well, we don't have him cleaning toilets and mopping. <laughs> we have him helping us develop this incredible technology that we're working with. Mm -hmm. Like it's, he got in the door because of that. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is look for ways that you can help the person and then get in the door that way. Then from there, maybe you create a connection and a commonality. Got it. What's the most proud you've been of one of your athletes while at the games and why? Okay, so the um, most proud I've been for one of my athletes at the games. Um, all right, I'm gonna give. Uh, I'll give three quick ones. Okay. Um, first one because they're all caveats, and the last one's gonna actually answer the question. <laughs> first one's because it's incredibly recent at the Rogue Invitational Cole Sager's event with um, the ruck bag run and climbing the ropes and dragging the thing. It's one of the greatest examples of competitive excellence I have ever seen in any event anywhere. Ridiculously phenomenal. I'll give some examples of it. At the beginning of the event, all the uh, all the athletes were briefed on where they were supposed to run. After everyone climbed the rope, most of the athletes took the shortcut. He did not. He did the right thing and ran the long way around the, the course. One of only maybe half of the athletes that did it. Okay, no big deal, right? Then as he's going through that, it starts off with like a one mile run. He's in fourth or fifth, you know, third or fourth place. He starts to fall back to fifth or sixth place as they um, other athletes make a push when they pick up the bag. He just basically kept his head down. Other athletes had to, because they came out pretty hot, had to drop the bag at the end. He works himself all the way into second place just by focusing literally, literally his head down. He couldn't see footsteps anywhere because this huge, massive 200-pound bag <laughs> was smushing his yeah. head. So he just focused completely on his effort, works himself into second place. He can't catch Matt Fraser because he's already well ahead of him by about eight seconds with 10 seconds to go. Yeah. And Lucas Hoberg, I think it was, um, can't catch him because he's got a lead. So you think that you just kind of like walk into the finish line. He didn't. He sprinted into the finish line with everything he had. Kind of looks almost ridiculous, right? Like, doesn't he? 
Well, it turns out they assessed 10 second penalties to everyone that ran through into take. So because of that, he didn't get second place in the workout. He actually got first. Had he not competed with as much excellence, he would have fallen behind more than seconds behind Fraser and actually still gotten second. Phenomenal, terrific. That is encompasses all of the these like competitive excellence of what I'm looking for. Love it. Um, other one that like I just it's I'd be um, as much as I focus on not on the leaderboard, it's not about results. It's just it was an amazing, amazing time. Is when Katrin David's daughter and Matt Fraser were both of my athletes, and both of them won the CrossFit Games. Mm-hmm. Like that's a proud moment. Right. Um, but the other one is Katrin David's daughter um, on the rope climb event. It's rope climbs kept her out of the games. The first year she won the games, she's in the leader jersey. So all eyes on her is center lane in the white leader jersey. And dot, 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 or dum, dum, dum. It's another legless rope climb event. Like what the hell? She's freaking out. We have this nice conversation about folks and what you can control. She does just that on the field, performs phenomenally, but not up to the par of the other athletes she's competing with. She comes in 15th out of, I think it was 40 athletes mm-hmm. at the games that year. She had multiple wins at the CrossFit Games that year, yet that moment she put aside the leaderboard, put aside everything else and focused on her. We both said that's one of the top two or three best events she's ever had at the CrossFit Games. Awesome. Good stories. Next question is probably the most important one. Oh, here we go. Do you ever eat cake? <laughs> Do I? <laughs> um I have eaten cake. I, 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 I'm hesitant to answer this because last time that we we talked about this type of stuff, people were like, Ben Burgeon's a robot. I'm stop listening to Ben. Like another criticism thing, right? Like, That's very funny. So, I, um, so, so just say yes. Yes, I eat cake for breakfast every day. <laughs> there you go. I, I, I don't eat a lot of cake. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, can clients differentiate between professional CrossFit trainers and quote unquote cheerleaders? Um, okay, so... Let's just, I guess, term what each of those sure. are to help answer it. Yeah. Uh, a cheerleader would be somebody that you walk in the gym and they're all um, rah, rah, shish, kumba, like, you know, yeah, like, like, uh, here's like, the, like, here's the workout. Let's Three, go, two, Pat. One, go. Let's go, yeah. Pat. Come on, Pat. You can do it. Don't drop the bar. Go faster. Go faster. That versus a professional trainer. And I just have to like, um, it might take a little while to define what that is because yeah. there's so many different levels of it. But let's just talk about like kind of what good coaches do, which is they connect with people. Um, and a good coach gets an athlete to get closer to their um, potential. Mm-hmm. So they get them better. They connect and get them better. Um, I think in the short term, it may be really difficult to tell the difference between the two. I think in the long term, everybody can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're working with, and if you can't, then you got to get exposure to something else because you've never been exposed to anything else. Yeah. But if you've had any good coaches or any good teachers, mentors, leaders in any other field, even bosses, um, that should be a reference point for you for what this relationship should look like. And if you're not getting that, it might not, you might be working with a cheerleader. Got it. All right. This next one isn't really a question, but uh, I think that there's a question embedded in here. So you take this however you'd like, but uh, here's here here's what somebody sent me. I find it extremely extremely difficult to rest. I just hate it. I know it's part of the process, but I feel this huge wave of guilt when I take a rest day. Okay. So there's not a question. There's not there. a question yeah. there. So yeah. if, if somebody okay. in the gym came up and said that to you, I guess, okay. what would be your response or where would you go with it? Okay. So they're, um, they're, they feel guilty for taking a rest day. Yeah. Um, don't take rest days. Mm. Like, you don't need to take a rest day. Right. Don't feel guilty. 
keep going. Mm -hmm. Now, if you start getting broken, <laughs> if you start not making gains, if you stop making, you know, achieve like reaching, getting one step closer to your goals, then maybe we should reassess. Yeah. But for right now, like keep going. Yeah. There's no written rule that says rest days are better. They might not be better for you. Yeah. Everyone is a case study you want. Rest days are not necessary. They're necessary for the majority of people to reach certain milestones. Got it. How do you convince somebody, somebody to quote unquote chase excellence the way that you have? Um, so, okay, let's uh, convince someone to chase excellence the way you have. I would <laughs> um, have to term that a little bit. Mm. And um, because first I would say that you have, that you are. Like it's not, it's not something I've done. It's I haven't achieved excellence. I'm the thing that we're looking for there. The more important of those two words of chasing excellence is the chase, is the pursuit. That is like I'm trying. I'm trying real, really hard. In my opinion, yeah. other people are probably trying a lot harder than I am. But in to to, to my knowledge and my bandwidth, I think I'm working hard to chase excellence. So mm -hmm. then you, it's about excellence. So. Um, the idea behind this is fanatical attention to details while putting first things first. That's kind of my definition of the pursuit of excellence. So the big thing I would do with that um, individual is get them to understand like anything, like you're going to chase fitness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if you're going to chase fitness, we, we better sure define what this thing is. Because right. if you think it's getting more flexible, like it's going to be a very different pursuit than somebody thinks it's going to be lifting a lot of weight or running a marathon or um, hiking, uh, trekking across, you know, um, Antarctica. Right. Like there's so many different spectrums. If you define it, which we have, mm -hmm. work capacity across broad time and modal domains, which means you can do kind of the long stuff and the short stuff, the heavy stuff, the light. It doesn't matter if you're shoveling your driveway, lifting weights, doing pull-ups, running marathons, rowing, biking. We can kind of do it all at a higher level. If you define things, you know how to achieve them. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is for somebody that's, how do you get someone else to do it? You let them know what it looks like. What is that that we're chasing? Then from there, I don't think you can. Yeah. I don't think that you can get people motivated. I just don't believe in that. Um, motivation is short-lived and when the rubber reads the road, it's going to fall. Yeah. They have to be intrinsically motivated. They have to be driven. They have to be passionate about what they're doing. So... Um, I don't think that you, I don't think you can. Yeah. Um, now, having said that, I also believe excellence is modal specific. I think that you can be excellent uh, or you could be pursuing excellence in your career, but be terrible in your family life. I think you could be pursuing excellence from your athletic standpoint, but terrible from a professional standpoint. I think, and so on and so on. Even inside your profession, you could be pursuing excellence phenomenally in public speaking, but be terrible with the books. Right. Like it's so specific. So yeah. chasing excellence in totality, show them what it looks like, define it, and then lay it out. Like these are the character, the categories, these are the characteristics necessary, create the plan and go. What advice do you have for people in leadership positions who are trying to lead reluctant people? So it's a bit similar to that previous yeah. question, but uh, maybe maybe more formalized. Okay, you know it's it's part of your job. Yep. to motivate to get people to to. Okay, this is probably the, the people are going to hear this are probably respond the same way that the shift workers responded, which is <laughs> if you're in a leadership position, leadership position, what that means is you can make decisions, um, and you're trying to lead people that are reluctant. 
by far and away, the number one thing you should do is fire and let go of those people. Mm-hmm. If you have a team of people, you're on a, you're running a high school basketball team, cut the kids. They're the, my top performers. Cut them. Bill Walsh, when he took over the San Francisco 49ers, they were two and 14, the laughing stock, literally the laughing stock of the league. What he did was he cut his only all pro because his only all pro was one of those guys that wasn't the locker room guy, wasn't the culture guy. Cut his best player on the worst team. So they're by definition, they're worst. Well, fast forward two years and they win the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and they're going to win the Super Bowl five more times. What you need to do is get the right people on the bus, period. If you're in a leadership position, get rid of the people that don't fit your mold. Now, I get that some people, this may be the question you're going to ask, yeah. don't have that luxury, yeah. like they're in the military yeah. or something like that. Um, emulate it yourself. It's the only thing that you can do is you you are the example of the standard that you're trying to show and get everyone else to reach. If you don't put in the work, if you aren't humble, if you aren't trying to um, be the hardest worker in the room, if you aren't careful with your conversations, you can't expect other people to. Yeah. I've been doing CrossFit for years, but whenever I eat clean, AKA strict, I lose weight and I stop making progress in the gym. What am I not doing right? Okay. Um, this is a really good question. It's one that um, comes up more often than you might think. Every yeah. every um, gym, every CrossFit gym has a handful of people that are like this. Um, it's a couple things. So some people, um, when they go to start eating clean, start eating vegetables, that very fibrous and they don't, it doesn't tolerate with them. They get started to get gut issues. It's too much for them. Um, and or what might happen is when they start to eat clean, this is why eating clean works. When you eat clean, you can't eat as many calories. Mm-hmm. So you start to lose weight, mass, fat, or muscle. So for somebody that is, for the majority of the humans, Americans out there, that's a good thing. Right. But for some of people out here, they're already as lean as they need to be. They need to preserve muscle as much as possible, and they don't tolerate vegetables. In that case, let's, if it's, let's do the two things. They don't tolerate vegetables. In that case, go heavier on things like rice, the denser carbs. Yep. Rice, sweet potatoes, bananas, oatmeal. To get... It's usually a carbohydrate issue. Mm-hmm. If you're having a hard time getting in the protein, that's what protein shakes are for. Mm. Here's the thing. When you're eating clean, this person that says, when I eat clean, I stop making gains. I'm going to wager to bet that you're not eating the same amount. You're starting to eat less, which is why eating clean works for so many people the other yep. way. Yep. You got to figure out how much you need to eat and then backfill it in with denser carbs and easier to get proteins. Now, um, some people, it's what I mentioned before, it's like this, just this um, gut intolerance type thing where they just, they can't handle that many vegetables. In that case, um, go towards some of the not as optimal options. Like I already mentioned, sweet potatoes, rice, bananas, um, those type of things. And then, um, um, and then if needed from after that is start to get more um, calories, particularly higher glycemic carbs in and around your workout. You should be getting massive, basically like these people can't get enough food in. Mm-hmm. Um, massive amounts of carbohydrates right after your workout and then try to also do some food right before bed. Mm-hmm. And those are like hard gainers. You need to kind of keep the weight on. Got it. Should anybody <laughs> should anybody be getting wild card spots to the CrossFit Games? Oh, that's and, a cool question. Yeah, maybe, okay. So maybe a little, a little bit of context. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So CrossFit has announced uh, that they are going to be allowing wild card spots to the CrossFit Games. And a wild card spot is you don't need to go through the normal qualification process. They're actually just going to pick people out of the universe and say, if you would like to go, you are now invited. So LeBron James is not doing the Open or the Regionals or the Sanctionals or anything like that. If LeBron, they could send an invitation to LeBron James and ask him to compete at the CrossFit Games if he wanted to. Um, the answer is yes, I think so, absolutely. I think it's gonna be one of the great, I think it's uh, so phenomenal. We're, we're the ultimate proving grounds, yeah. right? What we're in search of is the world's fittest athlete. So if we think or somebody thinks that they are one of these people and they want to, big thing here, throw their hat in the ring and actually do it, dude, let's see what you got. Yeah. So I believe that um, Hunter McIntyre, yeah. Did he get an invite? As far as I know, yeah. As far as so, he's at the OCR World Championship, yeah. Ops Course Couple Racing World Champion. Yeah. Um, he's got some strength. Like unlike most of these guys that are wires, um, he has potential to do well at the games. Mm -hmm. He's not going to win it, mm -hmm. um, but it's going to be really entertaining to see how another athlete from another sport stacks up. I would love, like, how cool would it be for them to go to the winner of the decathlon, mm. right, and invite the the Olympic gold medal decathlete to come in, and then whoever. Um, anyone that's ranked in the top five in the UFC, like come on it, like yeah. like all of these things, like let's take these guys from the best of all these different sports and let's see where they truly stack up in this broad, general, inclusive test of fitness. Not who is the best at running this obstacle course with known entities. Yeah, I like the idea of the decathlete, if only because they're, they're every four years do they have to actually be competing. So there's there's at least a little bit of time in there yeah. that at least theoretically, they might act, they could actually be interested yep. in something like this. Now, I don't want to do it as a spectacle, right? right. Like, I don't want like I don't want to take the win of the Boston Marathon, right? Like, yeah, that's just like it's going to be embarrassing for everyone. We don't need to like do that thing. So, but that opens up the question: What sports? Yeah, which would, is a great would be appropriate to to so if you the, if you were in charge of handing out wild cards, like where where would you look? You said UFC. Okay, decathlon. so so always to do is um, think of the ten components of fitness yep. that we are testing for, and what sports. Um, what other sports best encompass the 10 components of fitness? And they are cardiovascular, endurance, strength, stamina, flexibility, speed, power, actually balanced agility, and coordination. So the sports that encompass those the best would be the best candidates. And, and the winner of the Boston Marathon has endurance right. and nothing else. Yep. So like that, it's just, it wouldn't make sense. You know, the, um, the world record deadlift holder, like has strength and nothing else. It doesn't make sense. But obstacle course racing, yep. like pretty darn close. UFC, pretty darn close. Let's take the person that has the best combine test at the NHL or the NFL, bring them in. Let's see what you got. Yeah. Like collegiate wrestling. Collegiate wrestling. That. Like, yeah. yeah, that's kind of close. Yeah. Let's, you know, if the the heavyweight champion, if Floyd May Mayweather mm. wanted to jump in this thing, <laughs> Not enough like, money for him, but he, like, but like that type of thing, though, yeah. right? Like, wouldn't yeah. that be kind of cool? Like, okay, let's see what you got. Yeah, that does harken back to the original uh, claims of the early CrossFit Games, right? The, yes. the 08, 09 yeah. testing ground stuff. Um, very cool. Uh, next question. Um, and the timing of this was was too good for me not to include. Can you talk about Rabdo as it relates to CrossFit? How do you, how often do you see it, and how do you make sure members in the gym aren't risk aren't at risk to get it, or to if that's the right way to put it? Yeah. And the timing is interesting because one of your coaches 
uh, actually just did. Yes. Just get, did get Rabdo. Okay. So a um, little context for people that might not be familiar with Rabdo. Rabdo is short for rhabdomyolysis. It's a um, condition that can potentially be life-threatening. Um, it shows up most commonly in car accidents when there's massive muscle breakdown. Basically what happens is, and I'm not a doctor, this yep. is not my specialty, but I'm going to give my layman's understanding of it. Uh, massive muscle breakdown, pieces of the muscle actually enter the bloodstream and um, kind of like can kill the, the kidneys and um, cause really bad issues. So a further kind of like explanation of this, because people might be like, um, you should, first thing is, how do you prevent it? Awareness. So the first thing is like, if you're experiencing these symptoms, which is extreme muscle soreness, like you can't straighten your arms um, for like more than like, oh, like literally just can't straighten them at all. Like no matter what happens, you can't straighten your arms. Um, Compartment syndrome is kind of associated with it, which is like flooding, like um, swelling of the area. Um, Discolored urination, but that's like when you pee, it turns like a Coca-Cola covered color. Um, even what we've seen is like some, we've had people hospitalized for rhabdo, um, that it doesn't turn that dark. It's mm. like any kind of discoloration uh, matters. Um, and, um, it's caused usually from high volume workouts. So it's not necessarily lifting a lot of weight. It's from like repetition, 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 repetition. We used to see it a fair amount yeah. back before we'd kind of learned how to program a little bit better. So as you just mentioned, like 2007, 2009, 2010, it was fairly pre- prevalent. Yeah. Like we might see a case or two, and that, but a case or two a year. Yep. Like that's what we're talking about. Like maybe a, a two cases a year would be a lot, yep. but we might see one a year um, from about 2014, 15, up until this past weekend, mm. we haven't really seen it um, because we've gotten a little bit smarter. So the first, the onus lies on the coach, first and foremost, which is know the athlete and make sure that they're not doing too much. But then the next, like the, the athlete has to have respon- responsibility in this. And when we do Murph, like you shouldn't do Murph if dot, 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 like you've been off for a while. If you're not fit, um, if you can't, if you haven't done a fair amount of pull-ups and push-ups before that, um, if, and this is the biggest correlate we've seen to Rabdo. If you've had drinks the day before, mm. it has to do with dehydration. So when you go to the hospital for it, so just so we know in metric, like if you go to the hospital and you get, um, they take you, they're gonna look for your CK levels, creatine kinase. Um, normal people are walking around at about, you know, anywhere from 50 to 150. People that do any sort of fitness off the couch are giving me the two to 300s. Our games athletes can be walking around during training at four, five, 600. Wow. Um, it's kind of like if you're above a thousand, they're gonna be like, maybe we should give you some fluids. Yep. When you're in that two, three, four thousand, it's cause for concern. If you're in that closer to ten thousand, um, they're going to keep you overnight for sure. Um, but we have had people like way up there. Like mm. um, one of our um, athletes did a competition um, and did an extremely high number of pull-ups in that competition, and um, experiences like life-threatening. He was in like the hundreds of thousands for uh, units of um, uh, CK. So just because you're a doctor and they're like, oh, you have rhabdo, it's 350. Like you don't have rhabdo. Mm-hmm. It's elevating relative to the masses. They're just not used to seeing that. Yeah. When you go there, the treatment is fluids. They give you, hook you an IV and pump you full of fluids. When you drink, you get dehydrated. Got it. It's, it's what we've seen. So before, and this is the dangerous thing about Murph. Murph is on Monday of Memorial Day. 
people have been hanging out mm-hmm. at the barbecues yeah. all weekend. Yeah. And that's what happened in this case. Got it. Last question. That was more than two minutes. That was uh, that was pretty close. That okay. wasn't that bad. All right, good. Uh, last question I've got for this episode. Have you found any use to tracking heart rate uh, during workouts? Why do places like Orange Theory um, put so much emphasis on it? And it's not just Orange Theory, obviously. It's, okay. a, it's, it's a pretty common thing that people are, are measuring. Okay, so um, why would they measure it? The reason that you measure heart rate is because it's a correlate to intensity. It is not causality. Because your heart rate is high doesn't mean you're exercising with intensity. Mm-hmm. Just because you throw up from working out doesn't mean you worked out with intensity. You've thrown up a lot of times that had nothing to do with working right. out, right? Yeah. You've had a high heart rate a lot of times that have nothing to do with working out. If I say to you right now, Patrick, I'm gonna, when we leave out of here, we're gonna actually drive down the street. There's a high school that you're gonna present to the entire high school on macroeconomics. All of a sudden, your heart rate starts to, your heart rate, right now, I bet your heart rate is going a little bit even right now. Your heart rate rises for a whole bunch of reasons. If you took cocaine, you would not be getting fitter. Your heart rate would be going up though. So it's a correlate. Having said that, it's hard to get fit without your heart rate getting higher. So um, getting fitter means that your heart rate's gonna go higher. Your heart rate getting higher doesn't mean you're getting fitter. That's all I wanna say. Mm-hmm. Okay, from there, the reason people track it is so that they know they can have an understanding of how hard they're working mm-hmm. out, knowing there's a lot of variability and mistakes along the way. But um, it is nice to know for a bunch of different reasons. It's useful um, if you are a coach to understand what someone sees as perceived mm-hmm. exertion versus actual exertion. So you can do tests to find out what is someone's maximum sustainable heart rate, find out their lactic threshold, put them through workouts and see when they start to get uncomfortable. Now you can, it's really cool because you get to right down to like the nitty gritty, right down to it. Um, You can actually kind of do this like, um, and then from there, if you're like a triathlete or even we use it as well, um, you can train in zones. In zones, there's one through five. Mm-hmm. Zone one is super easy. It's basically for everybody. It's underneath 120 beats. Um, and there's not much that happens from that. You mm-hmm. don't get very fit, which mm-hmm. is these people that are sitting on the elliptical or sitting on the recumbent bike at the Globo Gym, reading the newspaper. They're in zone one and they're not getting much of anything. Mm-hmm. So maybe some blood flow, which is better than nothing. Yep. When you go a bit higher, you get into zone two. Zone two is associated with um, in base, building your endurance um, and um, recovery. So you'll recover quicker if you have a bigger zone two. It's why um, triathletes can recover faster from a work, working session than um, like a power lifter because they've spent so much time in zone two. Zone three is getting a little bit higher. You see different benefits. Zone four is where most CrossFit workouts happen and zone five is your VO2 max, you're pushing that, you're, you're seeing white spots and you're on the floor afterwards. You can, without testing your heart rate, you can kind of gauge those zones mm. by just doing the talk test. Yep. And you basically just have someone like recite something and if they can talk like I am right now, they're in zone one. Mm-hmm. If they can talk, but there's just like, like this littlest, little pause in between like this, they'd be in zone two. Mm-hmm. If there's longer pauses in between, but I can still put out a few words at a time, I'm probably zone three. If there's words, but big breaks like this, and I can 
still talk, that'd be zone four. And if I can't say words, I'm just giving you like weird looks, that's fine. That's <laughs> yeah. so zone five. Yeah. There's different benefits and different pros and cons from training in different zones. And mm -hmm. that's the idea behind heart rate training zones. Orange theory puts you in a certain zone that they call the orange zone, mm -hmm. which they theorize gives you the most bang for the buck. That's their idea. Got it. Do you agree with them? Yes. Cool. Yes. All right. That's all I got for today. Cool. <laughs> we'll see everyone next time. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>